Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Come and draw from the well of salvation. Be made clean, let Him wash you in truth. He is the fountain of living water. Come and be made new. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. He can refresh you in the desert Where your sin left you lost on the brink He is the fountain of living water Come to Him, dear sinner, and drink water of life you will never thirst again let all who are thirsty come to him will you drink deeply of Jesus will you come to the water of life you will never thirst again let all who are thirsty been lost in the wilderness, chasing nothing but sin and death. He is the fountain of living water. Come to Jesus and live. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. That's what it's all about. Drinking deeply of Jesus. It was the beginning of a perfect day. Kish was ready to hand out his day's assignment on the farm. It was a large operation. He was a very wealthy man. Highly respected. So he said to his son, 
We've lost our donkeys again. They've wandered off. Take one of the servant men and go find our donkeys, please. Well, it was a perfect day. He didn't mind getting out of the farm assignment and having a bit of a break. So off he went, looking for his daddy's donkeys. He thought it would not be a difficult task. Obviously, he's probably done it many times before. So off they go. He didn't take a lot of food with him, and he didn't take money. They walk and they look and they ask, Have you seen Keisha's donkeys? No, haven't seen them. Might have passed by earlier, but no, I didn't see them. I heard they might have. For three days, they look for the donkeys. And finally, at the third day, he says, I think we better go back home. Dad's going to become concerned about us, and he's going to begin to ask, Where's my son? So the servant man said, Well, let's not go back yet. Right here in this town, there is a prophet, a seer, and he'll tell us about the donkeys. So they walked into town. And there was a young woman coming out of town, and he said to her, Is the seer here? Oh, yes, hurry, he's coming down now. They're going to have a great feast, and they can't start until the seer gets there. He's ahead of you, hurry. So they go up toward the town, and as they're entering it, there was... Samuel, coming toward them on the way to the high place. Now, the day before, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel. About this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him leader over my people Israel. He will deliver my people from the hand of the Philistines. Now, as soon as Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, This is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. So Saul approached Samuel in the gateway. Would you, would you please tell us about the seer's house? Well, I am the seer. Go up ahead of me to the high place today, for you're to eat with me in the morning. I'll let you go and tell you everything that's in your heart. As for the donkeys you lost three days ago, don't worry about them. They've been found. As to whom is all the desire of Israel turned, if not to you and all of your father's family? Now, I I look at this and I'm astonished, but it's so like God. He wants to appoint a king over Israel. So how does he bring together the seer who will anoint 
for kingship. And this young, tall giant of a young man, how does he bring them together? Donkeys. Things we would consider utterly unimportant. All that is on Samuel's mind is anointing a king. The only thing that's on Saul's mind is finding his daddy's donkeys. How like God. We're so concerned about our donkeys. And God's not concerned about our donkeys at all. He's concerned about kingship. He has a plan for your life. And he's going to work that plan out. Now, as I said, this was the beginning of a beautiful day, a perfect day. But let me tell you that this story that has started so spectacularly is going to end up with Saul sitting at the table of a witch and then dying. We want every day to start as a beautiful, beautiful, perfect day. I'm more concerned about ending my days sitting at the table of the Lord and not sitting at the table of a witch. Remember King David? Remember the 23rd Psalm? He sat at the table of the Lord with his feet under the table of the Lord. Saul, by his choices, sat down and put his feet under the table of the witch. It's all in the choices and decisions that we make. Yesterday I spoke to you about being bent, our hearts being bent. Well, in this story of Saul, we're going to find that he very deliberately bent his heart toward the witch's table. And King David very intentionally bent his heart toward the table of the Lord. Where will you get your final meal? Will it be at the witch's table or will it be at the table of the Lord? It depends on which way you allow the Lord to bend your heart. The Lord has a wonderful plan in mind for Saul. That plan is going to be destroyed by the decisions that Saul makes. And some of you have caused such difficulty for God. I feel sometimes that I've done that. That God has a beautiful plan, but I've I've gotten in the way. I don't want to get in the way of God's plan. I don't want to be a part of the devil's plan. Do you? And so I say, Lord, please. Well, Samuel goes up to the place of honor because he is highly esteemed by all of Israel. 
and sitting beside him is this handsome young man, head and shoulders taller than anyone else. They have saved a a delicious steak for Saul. It's been put back by the chef. Now, after they came down from the high place in the town where they had this wonderful steak meal together, Samuel talked with Saul on the roof of his house. They rose about daybreak, and Samuel called to Saul on the roof, Get ready. I'm going to send you on your way. When Saul got ready, he and Samuel went outside together. And as they were going down to the edge of the town, Samuel said to Saul, Tell the servant to go on ahead of us. But you stay here a while so that I may give you a message from God. That's enough to shake your heart, isn't it? Chapter 10 of 1 Samuel. Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you leader over his inheritance? When you leave me today, you will meet two men near Rachel's tomb. They will say to you, The donkeys you set out to look for have been found, and now your father has stopped thinking about them and is worried about you. He's asking, What shall I do about my son? Then Samuel begins to prophesy even more. You will go on from there until you reach the great tree of Tabor. Three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you there. One will be carrying three young goats, another three loaves of bread, and the other a skin of wine. They will greet you and offer you two loaves of bread, which you will accept from them. After that, you will go to Gilberth of God, where there's a a Philistine outpost. As you approach the town, you'll meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with tambourines and flutes. The Spirit of the Lord will come upon you in power, and you will prophesy with them and you will be changed into a different person. At this point, if we're honest with ourselves, Saul seems like a dumb young man. Not too bright a light. But God comes upon him by the Holy Spirit And he becomes a different person. He changes. Then he says, Samuel, once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds to do, for God is with you. In other words, you're going to have the very direction of God regarding your life and what you're supposed to do with it. As Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart. 
and all these signs were fulfilled that day. When they arrived at Gilbreth, there was a procession of prophets, and he joined them, and he prophesied with them. He walked full of the Holy Spirit and power, Now, when he gets home, Saul's uncle asks, where have you been? Looking for the donkeys. Again, the only thing on Saul's mind are donkeys. That that concerns me. After all that he's experienced, He does not boldly testify to his uncle what God had said to him. So Samuel summons the people of Israel at Mitzpah and said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought Israel up out of Egypt and delivered you from the power of Egypt, all the kingdoms that oppressed you. But you have now rejected your God, who saves you out of all your calamities and distresses. And you have said, no, set a king over us. So now present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and clans. Saul, the son of Kish, was chosen. But when they looked for him, they couldn't find him. He was hidden among the baggage. They ran out and got him and brought him and stood him before the people. Head and shoulders taller, powerful, strong young man. This is the young man the Lord has chosen. There's no one like him in all of Israel. If he'd stop thinking about us, daddy's donkeys. God wants to do so much with you, but forget about the donkeys. So he's appointed king. Some respected him and others scorned him. Now, I want to speak about the interaction between the Word of God and your Word. Human beings are usually concerned about the donkeys. God is not concerned about the donkeys. He's concerned about saving his people. He's about delivering his people from their bondage. If you want to be concerned about what God is concerned about, be concerned about delivering God's people from their bondage to sin and darkness. Or be concerned about the donkeys.
Well, a very clear word of direction was given. He told He told Saul, when you go to Gilgal, wait for How many days was it? I'm sure it was, let me just check and make sure. Seven days. Wait for seven days. That was time for fasting and praying. That was time for forgetting about your donkeys and considering what God wanted to do in a great deliverance. Well, he didn't go straight to Gilgal. I wish he had. Instead, his son Jonathan, he hit one of the outposts. He had a thousand men with him, armed. He hit an outpost and wiped it out at Giba. The Philistines heard about it, and they said, Okay, let's let's take care of this upstart. Let's send a huge army. Let's just stomp him out. We don't need to worry about him. He's nothing. He's nobody. So Saul responded, He had the trumpet blown throughout the land and said, Let the Hebrews hear. So all Israel heard the news. Saul has attacked the Philistine outpost, and now Israel has become a stench to the Philistines. Oh, I love God's people to finally become a stench to the world. The people were summoned to join Saul at Gilgal. The Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots. Israel had no chariots. 6,000 charioteers and their soldiers as numerous as the sand of the seashore. They went up and camped at Michmash. When the men of Israel saw that their situation was critical and that their army was hard-pressed. They hid in the caves and the thickets among the rocks and in pits and in cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilgad. Saul remained in Gilgal and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. He waited seven days, the time set by Saul, by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and Saul's men began to scatter. And he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offering. And Saul offered up the burnt offerings. And just as he finished making the offerings, Samuel arrived, and Saul went out to greet him. 
on the 18th of April, just three months ago. I was carrying a heavy lamp up the stairs, and it counterbalanced me some way, and I fell. I came smashing down on the hardwood floor, and my hip was shattered. And now for three months, I've been housebound. For three months, I've been in a haze of pain. And I've been crying out to God. I didn't go to a doctor. Because the Lord had said to me, wait upon the Lord. The Lord will carry you through. He said this audibly to me. Well, what should I do? Should I say the word of the Lord is not valuable to me? See, here's the here's the painful reality and difficulty that we're facing today in America is that we have denied Jesus even lives. We have religious people who are saying, we're Christians, but we don't believe that Jesus is God. What a shame before the mighty God of heaven. We have attached ourselves to human flesh. I can't tell you how many people have called me or have come to the house and who have urged me, Pastor, you have to go see a doctor. Jesus doesn't answer prayer today. You can't trust his word today. That was from many years ago. Oh, our God changes. Is that what you're saying to me? You can't trust God. Is that because he's so far away or is that because you're so far from him? Are you more concerned about your donkeys? Or are you more concerned about laying out a very clear demonstration that our God lives, that he does what he says he'll do, that his healing power is as much today as it was when he walked on the earth? We see all of these incredible miracles happening with Saul and with Samuel. Where are they today? We've got to really look carefully and say, look, is God real? My wife and I in the early hours of this morning looked at each other because someone had threatened her physically if she didn't get me to a doctor. We looked at each other and we said, is God real? Have we been deceived? Can we trust him? And we laughed and we said, that's the devil. (laughs) Yes, I can trust Jesus. With my very life, I can trust Jesus. He said audibly to me before this happened, the Lord will carry you through. 
Well, what's that mean? How about if it means he's going to carry me through? How about if God says something, he means it, it's real? One of the great problems we face today in America is that people use many words, but the words have no real meaning. We speak the words, but there's no live demonstration that the words are real, that words matter. Well, Samuel says, what have you done? Saul replied, when I saw that the men were scattering, "Uh uh-oh, we're going to go by circumstances now. Oh, you're seriously injured. We better go by circumstances here. That you did not come at the set time, that you were late. How can I trust you if you're late? I've found that God is almost always late by my measurements. I thought now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I've not sought the Lord's favor. I felt compelled to offer the burnt offerings. Wait a minute. Thousands upon thousands of Philistine soldiers. He has 600. And he's concerned they're going to come down on him. What's his defense? He has no defense. He has no army. They've all fled. You know how easy it would be to me for me to say, God hasn't shown up in three months. What makes you think he's going to ever show up? I better get to a doctor before I'm dead. Are you kidding me? Am I going to treat the word of the living God so callously that I deny that his power exists or that I can trust him? I will trust Jesus. I will drink deeply of Jesus. How do you drink deeply of Jesus? You trust his word. You obey his word. You do not get impatient and throw him off and say, well, he's not working. Let's try something else. No. That was Saul. That action in this instance is what will bring him finally to the witch's table. I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. If you ever feel compelled to do something, and it's not the word of the living God of heaven, Back away from it and don't touch it. It's the witch's table. 
Samuel very straight. I love Samuel. You acted foolishly. That word foolishly means without reasoning. Without without any good sense. You acted according to your fear. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people. Because you have not kept the Lord's command. I've walked with the Lord for many years. I've made horrible, horrible judgment calls, horrible mistakes. I've hurt people by my foolish decisions. I have sinned against the Lord. But in all of that, the desire of my heart has been to keep the command of the Lord. Well, they have about 600 men against thousands. Saul and his son Jonathan and the men with them are staying in Gilbreth and Benjamin. The Philistine army is parked close by. Raiding parties are going out from the Philistines. Camped in three detachments. Now, not a blacksmith was to be found in the whole land of Israel because the Philistines had said, otherwise the Hebrews will make swords or spears. So all Israel had to go down to the Philistines to have their plowshares, their their sickles, their axes sharpened. That was in the south. On the day of the battle, not a soldier with Saul and Jonathan had a sword or a spear in his hand. Only Saul and his son Jonathan had them. Now a a detachment of the Philistines had gone out to the pass at Michmash. One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, with his young man bearing his armor. Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But let's not tell Dad. Saul was staying at the outskirts under a pomegranate tree where he was camped out. And with him were the 600 men. And Jonathan said to his young armor-bearer, Look, come, let's go over to the outpast of the uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saying, from saving, whether by many or few. Jonathan's got the right idea. 
He sees the reality. He sees that nothing can hinder the power of God except a man who's just concerned about donkeys. Jonathan is not concerned about donkeys. That's Saul's shtick. He's concerned about just the physical things. He has no sense in the Holy Spirit. Where did that go? He's grieved the Holy Spirit from him. He is headed down a dark path now. He's just been told that the kingdom is going to be torn out of his hands. That's the worst possible thing you could tell a king. Your kingdom is not going to last. Armor bearer is a godly man. He says, do all that you have in mind. Go ahead, I'm with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, come then, we'll cross over toward the men and we'll let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come on up to us and we'll teach you a lesson, then we'll climb up. Jonathan climbed up the very steep bank to where the Philistines were embanked. His armor bearer was right behind him. And when they came on the plateau, they were immediately bitterly attacked by the Philistines. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor-bearer followed after him, killing the injured men. In the first attack, Jonathan and his armor-bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. Then panic suddenly struck the whole army. There in the camp and field, those in the outposts, the raiding parties, the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. Oh, I would love to have a panic sent by God strike America. God could do it. He's the almighty God of heaven and earth. Saul says, bring the ark of God. They had it with them. Finally, Saul, seeing that the soldiers of the Philistines are running, withdraw your hand, he said. And all of Saul and his men assembled and went to battle. They found the Philistines in total confusion, striking each other with their swords. It was a great rout of the Philistine army. It was a bitter, bitter lesson for the Philistines. There's more I could share, but I want to go to share another part 
In Mark 11, Jesus says this, 11.22, Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, Go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be, it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anybody, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. This is the primary promise that I'm standing on for my healing. It's where I'm standing. I've commanded this mountain of brokenness to be cast into the depths of the sea. And it says, if I do not doubt in my heart, but believe that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Should I doubt that promise? I'm not going to doubt that promise. God is not a liar. Who is he that he should lie? The problem is not with God. The problem is with Ray. I'm a part of the American culture. Where do we turn to God? No, we're concerned about our donkeys. We're concerned about our science, our doctors. I tell you, I am joyful in waiting upon my Lord. I am joyful knowing, having read Genesis to Revelation, after 50 50 times reading it through, I stopped and just read it through now. I stopped counting. Now, look at at Matthew 7 is considered to be the oracle of God regarding the New Testament. He says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find it. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish... Give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? 
So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road. That's the donkey road. That's the witch's road. The road that leads to destruction. And many will enter in it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only if you find it. Watch out for false prophets. You know, so I come. Inviting you to drink deeply of the living water of Jesus Christ. Believe in him. Put your confidence in him. Stand firm in Jesus. Don't be swayed by foolish, worldly speaking people. Don't be swayed by unbelief. Believe on the name of Jesus and you shall be saved. If you can't believe the promise that he can heal some broken bones, how can you believe a promise that if you believe on him, you'll be saved? Getting saved is a whole lot more than some broken bones. And you see me squirming on my chair today. It's been very, very painful this week so far. It's okay. I'm not, I'm not changing my position. My position is fixed life or death. I will serve Jesus Christ. And I will sit at the table of David with my feet under the table of the Lord and feast on the wonderful news that Jesus loves me. So are you struggling to know? Can you trust Jesus? I can. I will. You must take the promises. They're all through the New and Old Testament. Take the promises and stand on them. Now, just just an edge of warning. If you stand on a promise, before God answers that promise, that promise is going to come and stand on your head. In other words, he has a work in your heart he wants to accomplish, and he may bring donkeys around to accomplish that painful process in your heart but he will accomplish it. He will do it, and he will set you free. Jesus is Lord and Savior. He is God. If you don't believe that, you have been led astray by false prophets. Don't be Led astray by a false prophet. Be very clear about who Jesus is and what you can expect from him. For he is real. He is in heaven right now. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And all, all things are in his power. Well, let's pray.
How can I pray for you? Almighty God, I read these scriptures with with great joy in my heart because you are not a God who changes his mind. You've not gone through the scriptures and inked out certain promises because they were too rich and too good. No, those promises are still your promises. And we can stand by faith on those precious promises. Lord, no matter what trouble comes to us, our heart is not to be upset or disturbed. We are to stand by faith on your wonderful word and your wonderful promise and watch as you come and fulfill in our hearts, in our lives, in our bodies, the promises you've made to us. Lord, thank you. Great is your mercy, O God. Great is your compassion. You see the anguish of a man or woman's heart. And if they'll stand on your promise and believe you and not doubt, you will come and you'll grant them what they have asked. Thank you, Lord. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, I'd love to hear from you. If the Holy Spirit is prompting you to write and to give, that's just the Lord answering my prayer because I've been talking to him about you. You can write to me at Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. 22195. Again, it's Pastor Ray Greenley. This is Pilgrim's Progress from the National Prayer Chapel. Make your gift to Jesus out to the National Prayer Chapel. Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I also want to say to you, you can go to our webpage. I invite you to come on Sunday. We'd love to hear from you there. You can give online. My brother, my sister, Jesus loves you. And he has a plan for your life. But you have to recognize you're going to go on the side of unbelief. Or you're going to go with Jesus. Many of you up to this point have gone with unbelief. You can change that right now. You can repent of that unbelief and you can say, Jesus, I am now choosing to trust you. I will do what you tell me to do. 
If you say, go to the doctor, I'll go to the doctor. If you tell me, take time to fast and pray, I'll take time to fast and pray. You do what Jesus tells you. You're either going to be worried about the donkeys and end up at the witch's table, or you're going to be concerned about the word of the living God for the salvation of a lost nation. Which will it be for you? Lord, I just plead your blood to shelter every person listening to this broadcast and give them the courage to trust in that blood that they would come and drink deeply of the waters of life. Lord, thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. God bless you. I love you. I'd love to see you. It's been a long time since I've seen some of you or heard from some of you. Let me hear this week. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.